Hello, welcome to Impact the World, and this is one of our special Ask Me Anything episodes, where we ask you to leave a question inside one of the comments over on Apple Podcasts Reviews. And what we've done is we've collected all of those questions, thank you so much, and I'm going to go through 10 of those today. And as with any question or answer or idea, I invite you to take what resonates and leave the rest. But it was fascinating to see the cross-section of what's really coming up for people right now. And one of the big things that, that really was a theme in all of the questions was how do we deal with our sensitivity, and especially our sensitivity in a very changing world and landscape. So it will be fun to answer some of those today. And if you are watching this on YouTube, you can support the show. We're an independent show by hitting subscribe on my YouTube channel. Or if you're listening to this over on Apple Podcasts, you can leave a review or a rating, and we'd appreciate it if you subscribe. Okay, here's today's questions. This first question I really like because it relates to something I've channeled a lot over the years. Can we ever miss who we believe is a soulmate? Or do the Z's speak to divine timing and the people meant for you will arrive when they are meant to? So the way that my guides, the Z's, have explained this works is it's all about synchronicity and timing for all of us. So a potential soulmate could walk into your life, but you might not quite be in the space to connect with them. And one of the things that they have said, which I really resonate with myself, and they said this many, many years ago, they said we have to be careful about applying linear thinking to the idea of soulmates and love relationships. They said we understand that, you know, we have this pattern on earth and this human conditioning around, well, this is my wife, this is my girlfriend, this is my boyfriend, you know, all these labels and all these boxes that we've all been conditioned into. But one thing they said to me almost 20 years ago that really hit me between the eyes, especially because at that point I was determined to find the one, they said that your love line in your life is a continuum. And what they mean by this, your love line, all of the times you experience intimacy with somebody, partnership, relationship, perhaps it's just a lover for a few days, they said you make a mistake as human beings of overly valuing the long-term relationship and dismissing the short-term relationship. Now, sure, if you stay in a relationship for 40, 50, 60 years, you're going to experience incredible, an incredible and unique experience with that other person that you're in relationship with. But they said too many of you dismiss the person that you meet for three days. And the problem with that is they said every single person we have an intimate relationship with prepares us for the next level. So if you have been with someone for 40, 50 years and you're really happy about that, great. But if you've been with someone for 40, 50 years out of a sense of duty or obligation and you're not feeling very connected to that person, it might be important for you to do some digging with yourself, with the person you're in partnership with, to see if you can reanimate your connection. But the thing that I really liked was they said we have many, many potential loves in our life. Just as we have many different forms that our life themes and our soul mission can show up in, so too is it the same with love. So they say you're always rolling the dice and depending on what you choose and what you're ready for, things will rearrange for you so that you can meet another person at another time who could be a potential soulmate for you for a week or a year or a lifetime. And this really, even though we're talking about love here and your question is about soulmates, they've explained that that's the same way our life purpose and our life mission works. We all tend to have certain themes that we're working on. So let's say forgiveness is one of your big themes in this lifetime. You're going to have lessons, people, experiences come along that can help you experience forgiveness, learn about forgiveness, practice and be in forgiveness. And if you don't get it with the first person or it blows up in a bad way, 
there will be some other person, event or situation that will come along that will give you another chance. So the idea of us missing our opportunity is not something I subscribe to. I believe it's really important to acknowledge the things that we've gone through where, you know, maybe we're like, oh, I wish that had ended differently. And it's okay to have some grief about that. But it's not okay to close down our future because we believe that was our only chance. That's something I have not only experienced in my own life, but I've witnessed it with lots of other people too. So uh, there can be many soulmates. If you think of the idea that we've had many lives on earth, we've had many loves, many lovers. So this idea of the one becomes a little redundant when you start to look at things multidimensionally. Question two, I have a bit of a controversial question. What is the Z's take on suicide? I lost my brother many years ago, and I always wondered what happened to his soul. Generally, there is very limited information in religious and spiritual literature, and usually very negative. It's an interesting one. I, you know, I think like many of us, I have known of uh, a couple of suicides in my life, and I remember probably in my late teens or early 20s, uh, being told very clearly by a friend who had quite, quite strong spiritual beliefs that to commit suicide was to create terrible karma for yourself and it was absolutely the wrong choice to make. So I remember hearing that and going, oh, okay. And then I remember channeling for a group. Uh, I think I was in Colorado running a workshop and somebody asked about it while I was in channeling mode. And the Z said a couple of things. They said there are certain lives where that has ended up for some people being the only option or a choice they made in order to learn something as a soul. What they did say is that if you end your life in that way, it can create a little bit more clearing for you when you cross over to the other side. But they certainly didn't say it condemns you or uh, it's something that you need to avoid doing, they were basically talking about it from a soul perspective. They were saying, no, suicide is a very dramatic choice. And they said it, it has not only dramatic consequences and energetic consequences for the people left behind, but for you too, when you cross over, it, it can leave a little more uh, clearing for you to do. So in terms of your brother, um, my perspective on that is maybe it, it, it left him a little more soul work to do when he first got to the other side, which is something we all have to do. We all have to go through a period where we review our life and shift things energetically that showed up. So my personal belief uh, is not that it's going to be something that is going to damn you for the rest of your life, which I know is certain people's belief. Uh, but what they have said is it just creates a little bit more clearing for you. Hope that helps. This next question relates to ancestral wounds. And it's something that I've talked about a lot in recent energy updates, uh, workshops, something that we're going through as a collective. So here is the question. From what you are saying about ancestral wounds, it seems important for the continued transformation of energy to a more loving and positive one that they are healed. Do you have a specific technique for healing ancestral wounds? Do I concentrate on my ancestor or ancestors in general? And how do I know when they are all healed? I mean, it's a great question and I love your... Um, I love the way you're wanting to, to really focus on it and move toward it. I think first and foremost, we'll never really know when they're all healed from my perspective. For me, the ancestral wounding that I've been talking about is something that's really showing up in our collective for healing. So if you look at in the last four or five years, we had the Me Too movement. And then we've really been looking at racial justice on the planet. And these these areas have come to the surface in ways that I don't remember them surfacing in my lifetime. So we may be in the present looking at those areas, but what it brings up in our bodies is the trauma history of all of those abuses or imbalances. So they're just two areas of the world that we're in a deep healing around right now. So 
for me, and I see this with others, the ancestral wounding will show up for you when certain things are triggering you. There is something moving through your psyche, your emotions, your thoughts, your way of looking at things that has got you uncomfortable. It's got you in a place where your emotions are a little off. And what that tends to be is when the when the emotional wounds are trying to leave us, trying to move through us. So we're going through a major ancestral clearing on the planet in all directions right now. You know, the lid has come off so many things at once. It's one of the reasons that it can feel so disorienting to be alive right now, because there's a lot flushing through us. So for me, the way I tend to look at the ancestral wounding is I try and be aware of my reactions, my triggers, my feelings. I, I, I'm better now than I've ever been at noticing when I'm triggered about something. And then I get curious. I'm like, where is this coming from? What's the origin? And sometimes I can, I can go, oh yeah, this is like when I was 13 years old. That's what's moving through me right now. And other times I can't, it's much more amorphous. So I'm always curious then, is this a past life? Is this ancestral? Is this part of our human patterning? So the way I see it is to recognize that because we are in this time of deep healing, you have to look after yourself in the ways that you need to be looked after. We're all different in the way we sense, experience, and see things, and we all have different needs around soothing, regulating ourselves, and being able to move through this very tumultuous time and not completely lose our center or fall into despair. That's really the art of healing that we're all in right now. And we're all having to adjust very quickly because as the world is speeding up and some of the issues we've got going on are getting closer to us, we have to constantly refind our core. So I wouldn't personally worry about, am I healing this for my ancestors? I learned in my 20s that healing will find you. You know, I, I learned you don't have to go hunting healing. If you're open to heal, healing will come and find you and knock on your door at the right moment, in the right way, at the right level of speed that you can handle. So rather than looking back and being concerned or perhaps being overly focused on, am I clearing this up for those who came before me? If anything, it's more, are we clearing this up for our present moment and for our future? because we've all walked through the energy lines that our ancestors laid before us. We're walking through them right now. And our opportunity is potentially to update or upgrade them. So I would always just say, be aware of what's moving through you when you can and support yourself when you're going through a big healing. If you're feeling very triggered or like a lot is changing in you, it's really important to acknowledge that and not try and just keep doing life as normal and ignoring it and hoping it will just subside, but to give it some space, whether it's journaling, whether it's soothing yourself, whether it's meditating, whether it's speaking to someone about it or even going to see a healer about it, whatever works for you. So I hope that helps and thank you for the question. I loved this question. For those of us who are so connected to the unbounded possibility of the non-physical world, how the heck do we bring the same whimsy and giddiness to things like email or taxes? How have you reconciled the magnificence of other dimensions with things in the 3D world that feel heavy or draining? Favorite energetic practices to play with around alchemizing this? Okay, well, I'm going to go to the heart of your question. How have you reconciled the magnificence of other dimensions with things in the 3D world that feel heavy or draining? Um, for me, life is a, a little bit of everything. So sometimes I'm very much in the higher dimensions and other times I'm very much on Earth and I kind of live between the worlds depending on the moment, what's going on, where my focus needs to be, what I'm moving through. Um, I... You know, one of the things I've really come to understand is that we access the higher dimensions from the gravity of the 3D world. And there are so many magical things in our 3D world. It's just about allowing ourselves to see them, feel them, sense them. So I don't always need to go higher in order to feel expanded. Sometimes it's 
being very horizontal in the world. However, you specified things that feel heavy or draining. Um, yeah, I mean, taxes, I don't think anyone designed those to be high vibration because I don't think they come from a very high vibration origin. Um, but what I kind of learned to do over the years, I mean, there were all different ways that I would uh, adjust myself to do the things that I didn't want to do. But the, the most important thing for me was uh, recognizing the things that I didn't want to do and being really honest with myself about that. There was a period of time where I would beat myself up and think, oh, you should be better at this or you should. And then I got to the point where I'm like, no, I just, this doesn't vibe with me. So I would find ways to either make them more, I guess, I'll say fun, <laughs> that was hard with taxes, more limited. So I would find ways to go, oh, this really isn't an area that I enjoy. So how can I get help in this area? Is it worth me, um, you know, is, is this something I want to go to someone who taxes do not affect them in that way? So I'm going to pay them a little bit of money or barter with them that they'll do that for me and I'll do something else. You know, there are different ways that I've played with it over the years. But one of the things that you could do is just create an intention for your experience of those things to shift. So you could say, I really don't like the email or the taxes, so I'm going to create an intention that those things are going to shift in the next year. And then the shift will either happen inside you and you'll find a way to make it more easy, more, uh, what's the word, uh, more targeted, because sometimes when we don't like something, we resist it and that takes a lot of energy. And when we get clear on that, we can just go, I don't like doing this, but it'll take 45 minutes of my day once a week. I'm just going to get that done. I'm going to put some good music on while I'm doing it so that I feel some joy in my body with this thing that I feel unjoyous around. But also to ask yourself, taxes is something you can't really get away from. But with the email, is there a way to cut it down? Uh, you know, there are times in my life I've been more a slave to things that I wasn't enjoying. And there are always things that we're going to have a balance with. There'll always be the thing that you love doing and the thing that maybe is a bit more of a chore. But what do those chores give you? You know, what are they actually giving you? And can you actually be present in that chore? Or is it something you need to find a way to minimize? So your intention might be for it to transform internally, or your intention might be, you know, someone comes along in your life and they love doing that thing you don't like. One thing I learned many years ago is the thing that we have emotional resistance to is because we're emotionally tied up in it. And it can be far easier for someone else to, to kind of take that on for you because they're not emotionally tied. But I don't know many people, honestly, that I've ever met who love doing taxes. Um, and I think because the area of money and taxes has its own kind of energy in it, I think that's just something that we as a society don't traditionally love having to do. Um, so I would set an intention to see if you can experience it differently or have the situation change. Hope that helps and good luck. As an empath, I'd like to know how we can practice keeping an open heart and mind and looking for the positive as is encouraged by the teachings of Law of Attraction, whilst also employing our critical faculties of discernment. I'm not a huge uh, student of the Law of Attraction, even though I've been very influenced by it, um, and I've always enjoyed the pieces that I've looked at. And I do think it's important to, as much as you can, cultivate openness or positivity in yourself, but I think it, it's also really harmful to try and paste positivity over a feeling that you're struggling with. And I, I know that many people have struggled with that, um, especially in the spiritual community. You know, we'll, we'll sometimes call it spiritual bypassing or positive thinking to overcome a negative feeling. And the truth is, you know, the, our bodies hold trauma, not just from our own personal life experiences, but also from the collective. And sure, there are some people who um, don't buy into that or don't feel that, or there are also people who say they don't feel that. But when you meet them energetically, you're like, oh, I think you're convincing yourself mentally. And that's okay. You know, we all do different things at different times. But I think that's where some of the confusion comes in. 
this idea that we should always be positive. I don't know about you. I look out at our world right now and there are a lot of things that uh, I want to keep my critical discerning eye on. Um, you know, I'm not someone who's just, uh, hey, great, yeah, let's just think positive and it will all be okay. Um, I don't think that's the way that our world is built. And I certainly do not see that being the game that, that humanity has been playing, encouraged to play, or forced to play. So I do think we're at a very important time for sure in, in, our, in our history as a world, a very transitionary time. And I think it's important to not lose your sense of openness, positivity, hope, creativity, and your ability to not only see a brighter world in this moment, but to, to see a brighter world in our future too, even while we're dealing with a lot of the things that we're being confronted by. So for me, it's not a uh, one size fits all. It's not a let's just be positive about the whole thing because that can really whitewash some not only important issues that we're facing, but it can also whitewash and negate your feelings, the feelings of others. So I would say for you, cultivate that positivity and that openness to keep your soul alive and to keep your spirit bright and to be able to create from a high place for yourself, for others, whenever you can. But equally acknowledge the days that you're or the hours or the moments that you're feeling sad about things or you're feeling grief about some of the stuff going on in our world. My own personal journey as someone who uh, really lives in multidimensionality is that I have to honor all of it and I have to allow all of it to be there. And interestingly for me, the more I started allowing the kind of lower feelings in and through my body, the more the higher started to replenish itself and build and cultivate. But I do think we need practices. And I think that's one of the great things with Law of Attraction. It's reminding us to cultivate the positive, see the positive, look for the positive. But I don't think that has to be in opposition to um, anything we're healing or any pain we're feeling or any empathy that we're feeling in the world. So you may have heard me, if you've known my work for a while, you may have heard me say that channeling uh, is, from my perspective, best used as part of a balanced diet. Channeling is a high vibration, a frequency shifter. It opens you. It shows you the upper floor. And that's really important if you want to live a fully awake life. But you can't live there all the time as a human being. And I, I believe law of attraction is the same. If you're using law of attraction as part of a balanced diet, I think it's wonderful. But I think if you're worried that you're not staying in that frequency all of the time, the biggest problem is your worry, not the fact that you're not staying there. The biggest part problem in the way is the judgment, or, oh no, I'm not doing this right. And I have seen many people get uh, afflicted by that, which I understand. So I hope that helps bring a broader perspective to the question. I think it's great, but it, it has its place and it has its moment. And the body doesn't lie. When the body is bringing something up for us to feel or be confronted with or heal through, then we also have to trust the body and not just positive thinking. Hope that helps. This next question is, at 72 years old, I can feel a stressful feeling about having time to do what I am meant to do this lifetime. The energies have been so chaotic for a long time and I am kind of exhausted. I think too that my age contributes to that. But I do exercise, take long walks, eat very healthy medical medium style, and I'm processing all the layers of emotion from recent times and from my past. I have also felt ancestral healing going on. What about age? Your experience from meeting older people? What did the Z's say about it? Well, we had this beautiful channel and I, I don't remember which one it was, what the title was, but it, it took place in Costa Rica Soul Magic 2019. And it was a very strong message about the importance of our elders and how if you look at the way that our conditioned Western society treats elders, you know, we, 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 it's kind of like a forgotten 
area of our of our tribe. And I think that modern society has created this disconnect from our elders because the truth is, you and me and anyone watching this, if we live a long time, we will be the elders. And sometimes I think we forget that when we see someone in their 70s or their 80s, particularly if you're young, you think, oh, that's, that's an old person. And there is this kind of dismissive idea that you can kind of feel rippling through, which is, which is not just a shame, it's, it's kind of a tragedy because the elders are the wisdom keepers. Now, you can have an incredibly wise 20-year-old and a, I guess, not very wise 70-year-old. So I am, I am generalizing, but the truth is, the elders of our society have not only gone through many life and energy cycles that we, if we are younger, haven't yet gone through. So their, their wisdom, their knowledge, their voice is really important. What the Zs were saying, and, and they, they were quite strong about this in their message, they said many in the spiritual community put all their faith in the new children who are coming through and how they're warriors and how they're wired differently. And the Zs were basically saying, well, how are they going to learn what they need to learn about history if the elders aren't teaching them or accessing them? So they were really encouraging anyone who is in their older years to see where they can impart wisdom. And I understand some of you might be listening to this going, well, I'm an elder, but I'm kind of an introvert or I don't really know any young people. I think it's important not to lose your voice. Uh, whatever it is you're bringing to the world, whether that is your speaking voice or whether that is the, the garden that you are growing at the front of your house, that your whole community are walking past and being affected by. We all do such subtle, interesting things in our life that we have no idea how much the energy of those actions or those actions themselves are changing the frequency of the street we live on or the people who see our garden. So I think there are many different ways to bring yourself to bear on your life at any age. But I do also hear you in your question about the, the slowing down part. I think everyone's exhausted right now by all of this chaos in the world. It's very, you know, it's quite normal to kind of want to just be exhausted about it all at times. But for you also, you might be going into a very different period of your body. And the Zs said that the one thing that is really important when we become elder is we have a very different relationship to consciousness. They said, many of you will bemoan the older years because you will say that, oh, I slowed down and my body doesn't do what, and they said, we understand all of the, I wish my body still did what it was doing years ago. They said, but you don't understand the perfection of the slowing down. They said, the slowing down gives you a chance to review, see, sense, and have some of the most extraordinary consciousness experiences of your life. And I don't know about you, I remember being very little and being deeply affected by all of the elders uh, that I knew. And I didn't know many, but there was always an energy that they had that, that felt so energetically wise to me, even though I didn't understand that at the time. There is a, a safety that the elder energy can give to any of us who aren't quite there yet. So. I would say for you, honor the fact you're tired. Recognize that you might just be going into a different period of energy level and bodily way of being in the world. And we all go through cycles in our life. You know, none of us stay the same for a long time. We go through these cycles every decade and often more than every decade where we change again. So I hope that you can find a way to take the pressure off finding your purpose or your new thing let yourself go through this recalibration process and let it appear and let it unfold. But be open to the people in your life who might need you, even if they don't know they need you, even if they're not necessarily mm, demonstrative or asking for your help. Your presence is gonna have a really powerful effect on them. And the Zs were saying in this channel, it's vital that the wisdom of the elders is allowed to be reconnected, certainly in Western society, to every age group, because that's really important, especially for this critical time that we're in right now, historically. So I hope that helps and thank you for your question. My question is, is it possible to channel artwork? 
I'm an artist and when I'm in the zone painting, I feel like something else is creating. I know that is the creative process, would that be the same as channeling? I have had people tell me that is what I'm doing, but I guess I'm afraid to put that name to it myself. You know, I never thought I would channel or hear my guides. It wasn't what I was looking for. It wasn't like my aim. But a year before that happened, I started hearing music. And that's how I ended up writing music as a singer-songwriter. So to me, those two, those two events in my life happening a year apart in my early 20s were very joined. Art and creativity is when we open to co-create with the energy all around us. We're not just doing something from our mind. We're actually opening to birth something new. And channeling is the same. You know, no channeler who is channeling their guide or a, an entity or a being knows what's about to happen in that channel. It's allowing the present moment to come through, through the form of a guide, a spirit, an angel, whoever that is for you, or a group. Same with creativity. You're bringing something new to the earth that wasn't there before. And so, yeah, you bring your body, you bring your energy field, you bring your psyche, but you also allow something else to come through. Now, some people experience it in a much more workmanlike fashion, and they might deny what I've just said, which is fine, because for them, that's not how they're experiencing it. But for you, I think what's most telling is not only the fact that you're wondering about it, but also that the people who are seeing your artwork are telling you, this is channeled because there's a frequency in it. So that is the importance and the power of any creativity that we have. It holds a magic, a light, an energy that we can't necessarily see. And I'll go back to the question uh, that we had earlier, you know, not a ton of creativity going on in taxes, although some, maybe some bookkeepers would argue with that, but um, not a ton of creativity, light and energy going on in that very functional, mathematical 3D thing. It's very systemic. Creativity may have a system in it. It may have a divine system. It may have the system through which you birth creativity. But at the end of the day, if you're really in creative mode, you have to let go and you have to surrender to something magical, present, and unknown coming through. That's the same as channeling. So enjoy. And uh, yeah, great to, great to have this question because I think we often forget that creativity is one of the most powerful ways that we channel. And I know cooks who are the same. They go, well, I never really follow a recipe, but I just get in my zone. Getting in the zone is good for us, whatever it is. I have a highly sensitive and empathic nature. How do I free myself from the damage of years of withdrawing from the world? I want to be of greater service. I think it's really important that you, if you believe that your withdrawing from the world is something that has caused you damage, that you forgive yourself for that. Because the idea that you have damaged yourself and that damage was caused to you because you withdrew from the world. What the Zs would say is they would say that's a very heavy or judgmental toward yourself way of looking at it. They would say there was a reason you stayed withdrawn from the world all of this time. And there will be a reason for you that you did that. There'll be a reason for your soul that you did that. You will have learned something. And sometimes they say, we make mistakes when we're judging ourselves because they say sometimes you were protecting yourself from something that you had no idea about. So you're being hard on yourself from withdrawing about withdrawing from the world and focusing on the past. And perhaps where that's coming from for you is the weight or the perhaps disconnect or the wounding that you feel because that's happened in your past, because that's the choice that you made or the choice that was pushed upon you the way you are going to heal is to allow yourself to move beyond it. And sure, to acknowledge on days that you want to go back into the old story of, oh, I damaged myself. Try and catch it. And when you catch it, go, I am moving forward into a life where I reconnect with the world. That's the counterbalance. That's the other side to the heaviness that we need to kind of start to reprogram our mind and our thinking 
it's not to deny that the heaviness is there, but it sounds like the heaviness is the dominant voice right now. So in much the same way that when we're coming out of a, a long depression, we don't tend to snap out of it overnight. There's a slow reprogramming, there's a slow recalibration, there's ways that we start to focus as it's lifting, we start to behave differently and we start to do things differently. So for you, I would worry not about the service that you want to be to the world. I would focus on how can I get to a point where I no longer feel like I have withdrawn from the world? How can I celebrate the small wins where I found a group of people or a place or an activity that I could go and do that years ago I just couldn't have done? Are you taking note of those small victories? Because they compound, but only if we notice them. Otherwise, our thinking doesn't change. So we have to update our thinking as well as our feeling. We have to update the mind, which is always keeping track of everything we're doing and what our history was. And we have to allow the mind to see something different. So it's very important to celebrate the small wins, to keep focused on the future. Sure, if the past drags you back in, okay. But try and notice it and try and catch the part of you that is past focused rather than recognizing, oh, I am going to, in the next two, three, four, five years, withdraw from the world less. And I think your question is very pertinent because for the last 18 months or so, many of us have been forced into a kind of withdrawal from the world. So who knows, perhaps this period of time has raised that to the surface for you to see so that you can hold a different intention for the future. But you can do it, just give yourself time and see the checkpoints and the small wins, notice them, celebrate them, and gradually over time, you'll start to see that you've shifted perspective and experience. Good luck. I had been feeling the push to put myself more out in the world in a bigger, more expressed way, and I took a breath and did it. I outed myself as a sound healer and have been seeing clients. I did tarot readings at an event for the first time and rocked it, opened an Etsy shop for my beadwork, and I started a blog. 1,400 hits so far. It's amazing. And I don't really feel any different. I haven't gotten a lot of feedback. I feel confident and good about all of it, but also like I missed something. What's up? I love this question for so many reasons. Number one, congratulations for pushing yourself out of your comfort zone, because I always think in a way that's the biggest payoff. Not necessarily that we achieve the thing that we're nervous to walk towards achieving, but whenever we're willing to push ourselves through our comfort zone, we grow and we change and we show ourselves we can grow, and that is gold more gold than the outer achievement. I know some people would argue with me on that, but I, I, and I understand why you would, but really when we look at our lives spiritually and from a growth perspective, that's my truth. Um, you said I don't really feel any different. I think that's okay. I think sometimes we have this perception that we will do something and it will make us feel a certain way. And perhaps that's part of the story we tell ourselves. Well, when I get married, I'm gonna feel fully loved. And we get married and perhaps we feel mostly loved, but we're also like, oh, here's that wound where I didn't feel loved by my, by my dad. And it's come up again with this friend or even within my marriage. And that's okay. You know, we, we bring it all with us. It doesn't mean that the new circumstances we create don't bring us healing, change, opening, because they do. But I think it's okay that you don't really feel any different. Um, I think it's, it's good that you you actually sound positive about what you've done. You said, I rocked it um, and you know it, it's been going well. You did say, I haven't gotten a lot of feedback. I feel confident and good about all of it, but also like I missed something, what's up? Well, if you want more feedback, ask for feedback. Go to your clients and just say, you know, hey, I'm, I'm just curious how you experienced the session with me. I'm hoping to perhaps put some testimonials on my website or on my blog. Um, and if you'd be willing to share a line or two, I'd be really grateful. It's okay to ask people for feedback. I remember when I began doing my one-on-one -on -one sessions uh, 17 years ago, and I did them for 15 years. I remember at the beginning, I had this strange experience, uh, and I did them for donations at the beginning. Um, 
after doing many, many for free. Um, I remember having this strange experience of realizing over time that people trusted me to give them the answers because I did get feedback, but I also, the part of your brain that can go, was this good enough? Is, did this work for the person? Sometimes you have to ask them because they're just assuming that you know what you're doing. You know, it's like you don't go to a doctor and at the end of it, when you're saying, well, thank you, doctor, the doctor doesn't generally go, was I okay? Did I, did I seem like a real doctor? You know, we don't tend to get that. Maybe, maybe you did, maybe your doctor did say that to you one time, but I think it's okay to ask for feedback um, if that's something that you're wanting. But I also think it's interesting that you are having a shock that this has gone with some relative ease for you. I think it's great. I think you doing your thing is the beginning. When we start doing something, when we get in the pool and start swimming after we were afraid to jump in, we tend to think that's the end, but I always say that's that's the beginning. That's when it starts, because you start getting into a relationship with the people that you're working for and with, and they start giving you feedback energetically, emotionally, psychically, or literally with words. And that starts informing your next steps. So I think it's great that you don't feel too different. Um, but I think the most important thing is that you've done it. So by all means, ask people for feedback if you need it. And thank you for your question. And this is our final question for today. I feel an inner conflict around marketing and charging money for healing and coaching when I do not know in advance where the clients will get results. I am committed to my clients, but sometimes they are not ready to be making the change they want or I am not the right person for them. It challenges me to set out the benefits of taking my programs when not everyone gets them. This is a really good question. Um, first of all, none of us are ever going to be for everyone. Just none of us, you know, whether we're teaching three people uh, something in a room or whether we're teaching three million people all of us are going to be, hopefully, for most of the people that come, but there will always be some who we won't resonate, they won't resonate with us, or they won't like us, or they'll get triggered by us, or it's not their time, as you said. So I think the most important thing with marketing is to be as honest as you can. Um, I think marketing is a dirty word for many people, and I know for me it took me many years to feel comfortable um, marketing some of the things that we were doing. Um, but one of the most important things I think you can do is to understand what you are doing for people. Understand what your gifts are. So for example, you might say, well, I'm a tarot reader and I'm, I, I mean, having seen many tarot readers over my life, uh, yeah, I, I once met the judgmental superior tarot reader. I met the brilliant tarot reader who was open and very universally connected. I met the tarot reader who made me feel calm. So there will be some key things that you hear from people about the work that you're doing. And it's really important to put those into your, if you like, marketing. So I remember when I started doing sessions, I asked people for testimonials. I put those testimonials on my leaflet. Yes, this was 2004. So I had a paper leaflet that I put in some yoga centers near where I lived. Um, and I remember once I started to hear several things that were the same, people would report, for example, um, you make me feel more deeply connected to myself and my soul it's like you read my mind. Uh, you know, there would be certain key things that would repeat with every email I would get back after a session. So I would take like those four or five things and I would basically reflect that to the person who might be coming to, to me. And I would say, you know, my, my intent is to serve you the best I can and to hope that it works for you, to check that we are a fit for each other. Here are some of the things that my current clients are saying about my work. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read certain reviews of things, I'm looking to find myself in the review, which is why marketing is so important and being honest about your marketing. So if you can really take some of the feedback you're getting and turn it into the language that you're putting around your work, it means I, when I'm coming for your service, can go, oh, 
no, that, that doesn't sound like me. They're saying that, people are saying this blew me away, it took me weeks to get back to the ground. I'm not looking for that. Now my friend, Jason, he's gonna love that. He's gonna wanna be, you know, blown away and not come back to the earth for three weeks. So this is where marketing's important. It's a chance before we purchase something to feel it out and to see if it resonates with us. But equally, the more you put out there that's free or a sample for people, the better your resonance will be. So the inner conflict that you're feeling uh, is gonna be something that we all just go through. The one thing I would, I would like to just point out to you is if you think you're good at your coaching and that's something that you know you're good at and you're passionate about, get better at making sure you describe it correctly for the people that you are here to serve. Improve the way that you are describing it. Get clearer and go back and ask some of your people to tell you what they experienced, what they would have liked more of. You know, be, be willing to be uh, vulnerable about it and to look at it if you have any doubt about your services. Because if any of us walked into a McDonald's and didn't like the meal we'd just eaten and paid for, we probably can't go, I haven't been in a McDonald's for like, I don't know, two decades, but we probably can't go up to the counter and go, oh, I didn't like this, this didn't serve me. They're gonna say, well, you've eaten our food, which costs us this money. The people at the back of the kitchen that we're paying uh, have already done their work. So I think you also have to recognize your time and your energy. Sure, there's always gonna be a risk with any coaching or anything like that, but that's why having a five minute consultation or a video of you on the website where you explain your philosophy this is a really good moment for the customer to make an informed choice about, oh, I like her. Yeah, I'm gonna, yeah, that's worth it to me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna explore this. So there will always be people who you're not quite right for, but that's where you can look at, okay, how do I really get mindful and have integrity around the way I'm offering my services, the amount of information I give them before I'm offering my services, and do I need a taste test? Do I need some way that the person can sample this before they commit? But as healers, you know, I remember many, many years ago, I got a letter uh, in my first couple of years of my session, it was one of the most powerful lessons of my life. There was a woman I'd sent a reading to, because I was all written, written readings at the time, and I would just channel what I heard for their questions and send them like a 2,000 word document. I didn't hear from her after I sent her her reading, which was quite unusual, but you know, you never know, people are busy, they just see you as a service, so I didn't think about it. A year later, she came to me. She said, I had a reading from you a year ago. When you sent it to me, I thought it was terrible and that you were completely inaccurate, and I was a bit annoyed that I'd sent you 20 pounds or whatever it was she'd sent me at the time. She said, I stumbled on it two months ago and my jaw dropped. She said, everything that you talked about played out in the next six months of my life and I now have a completely different perspective on it. So uh, she said, I, I want to book again. And it was a really good reminder to me that when it comes to healing and when it comes to someone's path, we never really know and we're not in control of what we're doing for someone. We might be someone's breadcrumb or someone's breakthrough on their path but provided we feel in integrity in the way that we are bringing our work to the world and we're doing it in a way that works for us and works for the majority of people, we're okay. So, and that's something that you constantly review as, you're, as you grow and change, as the world changes, as your audience changes, you're gonna have to constantly refine that. So don't be afraid to look at it in a slightly analytical way. And if you are nervous about your marketing, pay some attention to your marketing for a while. So hope that helps. Good luck and well done for stepping out. Okay, thank you so much everyone for tuning in for this Ask Me Anything episode. We will do another one of these. So if you feel like you would like to submit a question for consideration, please go to Apple Podcasts and where you find our podcast there. If you subscribe, rate and review, in your review, leave a question for me to answer and we will add it to the pot for the next episode. In the meantime, look after yourselves out there. Lots of love and thank you for tuning in. Own Your Value is my course for entrepreneurs, creatives, change makers who want to expand the work they do in the world. 
You know, I've done this for 16 years now, and one of the hardest things that I ever went through was learning how to own the value of what I did. And I think that's really human, especially when you first start working for yourself, but also sometimes if you're working in a slightly more esoteric field or the healing fields or the fields of the arts, it's how can we place a value on our work, both energetically, but also sometimes financially. And the thing about money and energy exchange is people, myself included, will pay for something that they receive value and energy from. So one of the biggest things that you often have to work out if you are looking to expand your business is, well, how can I increase the value in the services that I'm offering to people? How can I get more behind that so that what they receive to them is inherently valuable? And this is true whether you're offering free work in the world, which we do a lot of, or if you're offering paid experiences for people. So Own Your Value is a few different things. It's a course that's designed to be a starter kit for those of you that are perhaps new to putting your own work in the world, but you want to find different ways to offer things, how you can expand your message, your services, your work. But equally, it's for those of you who might be doing this work part-time or you've just started and you know you want to scale what you're doing. You want to serve more people, reach more people, and also grow your mission. So if you feel that you would like to take your work, your mission, and what you're offering to the world to the next level, I invite you to check out Own Your Value and see if it resonates with you and if it's right for you. There are many different modules covered. It's all video and audio teaching, so you can access it anytime. And once you're in the course, you have it for your lifetime. Also, I'm running some live clinic calls where I will be speaking to those of you in the course about your direct questions and answering them in real time on live calls that will then be archived. We've had over 600 students go through the course so far and we're thrilled to be relaunching it at a time where I'm aware that many of you will be looking to expand the way you work in the world and the way that you offer your work in the world. We hope to see you there.